get right to our Navi because we have a lot to do today. See, if we take a look at chapter, chapters 13 to 21 is, or uh, chapters 13 to 21 are about the division of the land of Israel. And this is where uh, people who start learning Tanakh get bogged down because a lot of the, a lot of the uh, information is details and place names and you know you can get a little bit lost with that and um, it, it would be a real shame to miss out on the, the tremendous value of learning because we don't you know we don't get into all the geography so what I'm going to try to do is cover more ground do two chapters at a, at a sitting so that we can go quickly through the more technical parts and spend more time on the, you know, the interesting stories of which there are many, many, many interesting stories that are, uh, and get a global sense of what's happening. So without further ado, let's take a look. Let me screen share. Okay. So I'm pretty pleased with myself for getting this map on there <laughs> because you can see here, the beauty of this map is that it's totally in English. It's pretty clear. You can see what we did last time. Here's Rubain, right? We have here the Arnon and the Yabok. Rubain is in this section here with Amon on the east and the Jordan on the west. We have um, God up here further north of Rubain, and half of Menashe here, heading up into the Bashan, which is today the Golan Heights, all the way up to the Hermon. Now on, on, the, on the east bank, the first tribe to get Nahla was Rubain. And one of the reasons that Chazal give us for that is that Reuben was a, was a Balchuva. And we have a, uh, we have a tradition always that uh, the Balchuva, the person who is humble enough to acknowledge that he did something wrong and to, to try to correct what he's done wrong, that is a person of great stature. Where a, where a Balchuva stands, a Tzadik Amor cannot stand. So, in deference to Ruvain's um, tshuva for messing around with his father's sleeping arrangements. So he gets the Nahala first of the two and a half tribes. Now in Perak Yudalad, we're switching over. Let me just find a place. Um, okay. In Perak Yudalad, we're switching over to the West Bank. All right, and this is where we're going to have the remaining nine and a half tribes. And the first person to get, the first tribe that's going to get the Nahla is Yehuda. And the reason for that is that Yehuda is also a Baal Chuba. And he has that same great thing going for him. And in Yehuda's case, it's the story of Tamar, where um, he is able, 
when Tamar, of course, is the story of this, his twice widowed daughter-in-law that he sends her to like, you know, just hang out because he doesn't want to give her to his third son. And she in a um, dramatic and controversial, very bold move, dresses up as a prostitute and sleeps with Yehuda. And um, when, when he returns to get back his things from her, she's gone. And when she uh, is uh, obviously pregnant, so he, he sentences her to death for being a, uh, a, a fallen woman. She's a daughter of a Kohen. And, um, and she, in her great uh, righteousness, does not want to say, well, you know, you're the father of my child. And she sends the, the signs to him. You're familiar with the story. And he, he has a choice when he sees these signs, his staff and his signet and this. And he could say, well, I don't want to acknowledge that's too embarrassing. But he says, no, she is more righteous than me. He acknowledges that. And in the merit of this great uh, greatness, he becomes the, uh, the head of the tribes, eventually the father of kingship. And so Yehuda's going to get the Nahala first. So both chapters 14 and 15 deal with the Nahal of Yehuda. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. We'll start with um, Perak 14. First, I want to show you how this looks. Yudalit uh, first. Okay, now Yudalit has two main parts. It's a short Perak, 15, 15 psukim. The first five psukim right, are talking about the general uh, makeup of the lottery. We'll talk about that in a minute. And from 6 to 15 is um, the beginning of the Nahla of Yehuda. And we're going to see here that uh, that's a very, very fascinating story. And sort of you know, it's interesting because we're like uh, coming up on the story of the spies, and this is going to be kind of the end of the story of the spies. So we're going to, we're going to, when, when we get to the Parsha of Shlach, you'll all be ready. Okay. Pasuk Aleph. Ve'ela asher nochalu b'nei shabayot k'nan asher nichalu otam elazar kohen yoshua b'nun rashi avotam atot l'bnei israel. Again, we have here a pay. We have here a a uh, pasuk that sort of stands on its own, paragraph-wise. The pay and the samach are indications of paragraph in, in the text. If I never showed you that, um, if you take a, a Tanakh and open it, how do you see a break in the text? If you see a break like this, I don't know if you could see that, right? If it's open, it's patua. And if it, this line begins again after the break, then you're going to get a sama. Right? You see these? Right? This is the, the, the paragraphing, sort of the end of um, certain subjects that we see in the Tanakh. So here this stands alone. These are the ones that the children of Israel, Nahalu Rash, Rashi says this is a peel, but it should be a hifil. In other words, that they gave as an inheritance of the children of Israel in the land of Canaan, 
that were given to them, Okay, so we have to stop for a moment and try to understand how this lottery worked, okay? This is going to be the basis of the whole inheritance of the land of Israel. So I wrote in the chat, this land is my land, this land is your land. How does it work, All right? So in Pasuk Bet, in the lottery of the inheritance that, Moshe, that Hashem commanded in the hand of Moshe for the nine and a half tribes, so the, the Navi first wants to explain to you what's going on with the tribes and says, there's going to be a lottery and the lottery is going to show you where the tribes are going to be. And Moshe first gave two and a half tribes their, their um, Nahala on the east bank that I just showed you in the map. Now, in Pasuk Bait, we're talking about nine and a half tribes. So that makes sense, right? Two and a half and nine and a half means uh, that's 12 for the math people here. But in Pasuk Gimel, so the Levi tribe does not get a Nahala, and therefore we have a problem because we only have 11 tribes. So then the text goes on, because back in the um, end of Gracious, right? Yaakov tells Yosef that Menashe and Ephraim will beat to him like we read in Shimon. Yosef is the one who gets the double portion and Menashe and Ephraim will complete what Levi has taken off. So here we have the Levium get cities, they do not get territory. The Levium are supposed to be the teachers of Israel, the, the spiritual leaders of Israel, and they get 48 cities of, cities of which six are uh, cities of refuge for the accidental murderers. Now, just as Hashem had told Moshe, thus did the children of Israel do, and they divide up the land. And here we have another paragraph. In other words, we're just explaining to you, this is how this is going to happen, and we're going to have a go else. We want to take a few minutes and show you what the Gemara says about the lottery, because it's a very confusing story with the lottery. Okay. Um, this is Baba Basra, 122A. Hakeitzad. The Gemara asks, how did the lottery work? And it's important to understand this because it's very, very gorali, they say it <laughs> in, uh, in Hebrew. It's very fateful. And this is how the land was divided. Keitzad. How did it go? Hakeitzad. Elazar. Elazar is the Kohen Gadol, our own son. Melubash Urmitim, he is wearing the, the Choshen Mishpat, the breastplate with the stones that light up, Yehoshua, of course, the, the leader. And all the children of Israel are standing there. Now, for those of you who don't live in Israel, you may not know what a Kalpi is. A Kalpi is a box that you put your vote in. So if you go to vote and you live in Israel, 
you need to find out where your copy is and that's where you go to put in your vote. And I think I remember back many years ago before we came to Israel, they had like automatic voting machines in New York, but here you still take a little note and you put it in an envelope when you put it in the copy. So the, there was this ceremony where you took a, a note and you put from one box a note of the region and one box a note of the tribes. And this was in front of the Kohen Gadol and who was standing there with the, the Hoshe with the breastplate. And with Ruach HaKodesh, the Kalpi, the, 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 the thing, whatever it is, the voice would come out and say, right, Zvulun will come out of the Kalpi and the other Kalpi, Akko, in other words, the region for Zvulun would come out. And, and this is what would happen. Taraf Bakalpi, he would mix up the, the tribes and Zvulun would come out. He would mix up the Kalpi of the borders and Akko would come out. And this would happen for Naftali and his area and all these things. So very, very interesting sort of thing. Now, what does that do for us? Getting back to our text, okay. There's two problems here. If you go back to Bamidbar, right? Where is this? Here. Uh, I'm not finding it here, but it's, it says La Rav Tarbe here, right? How do you give the, a second. La Ravta ben Nahatel, la Maatamid Nahatel, Ishlati Pikuda Vitanahatel. How do we understand that the more gets more, the bigger tribe gets bigger, and the smaller tribe gets smaller, and everything is up here go well? So the Abarbanel and the Ravad and the Malbid all explain it this way. There were two things going on here. We just want to like make this clear because we're going to talk about the Goral a lot. Number one, there is the region that the tribe gets. That is Apia Goral. And it's the Medris is Apia Goral. The Goral itself spoke. It was all from God. And the second thing is within the region of that tribe, which family gets which area? And that was something that Yoshua and Elazar and the Nisiim Put together, whatever family has more would get more. And the reason this is um, uh, done this way is because we need to know the original place, the region for each place, because that is going to be what Hashem wants. Okay. And you can't start saying, well, you know, I, I want to get, you know, C. Uh, I want to get territory by the sea because I like the beach, you know? And I want to get a mountain because I'm into mountain climbing. who tells each tribe where their region is, where their area is. And that's probably a first life lesson, right? Fem gives you what you're supposed to get. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this um, uh, Ibn Ezra last week. I have the impression that I did not. 
but it's an important one to think about. The, the Ibn Ezra says, you shall not covet. The Ibn Ezra says, how is it possible for a person not to covet something nice that his friend has? It's a human thing. You see it, you want it, you want it, right? And he says, well, I'll tell you, he says, like a, it's like a peasant sees the queen. And the peasant and the queen have nothing in common. You know, she might be very beautiful, but he's, he's not thinking about it. She's not in his world. So too, the Ibn Ezra says, what, some, what belongs to someone else is theirs. And that's what Akash Baruch wants them to have. What belongs to you is what Hashem wants you to have. And if a person uh, tends to be jealous, right, they should always tell themselves, Akash Baruch will give me what he wants me to have. And what someone else has has nothing to do with me. It's as if it's in another planet, in another dimension. It's like the peasant and the princess. We're not in the same world. So the first life lesson is to remember to be be happy with what you have. And remember, this is what Hashem is giving me. And this is what I'm supposed to have. And be grateful for that. And don't look at other people's. And I'll just make an editorial comment. This is why I have problems today with Instagram. I think Instagram is a vehicle for creating jealousy. Everybody puts on fancy clothes and they go to the beach and they have this fancy food. And then you're supposed to look at that and go, oh, I want that too. Well, you know what? It's not a, it's not a total thing to look at other people's things and say, I want that. That's definitely not. So that's our first thing to think about. It's very problematic. We should not be encouraging um, looking at other people wanting what they have. Okay, now the next part of this parak is from verse 6 to verse 15. And this is an interesting story that comes up. Now, let's go back a second. If you recall, and this is why I wanted to uh, tell you, we're going to go back to the story of the Miraglim. No, where is it here? Okay. Um, Moshe says, sends the Miraglim, Parsha Shlach, just a little bit ahead. In, the, in America, it's a little more ahead because we're, we're off a week. Moshe says, go down, go see what's in the land. Is it strong? Is it weak? How the people? What's the land? Is it good? What are the cities like? Is it is it fertile land? Are there trees? Bring us some fruit. And Pasuk Kavalaf, this is Bamidbar, Parakid Gimel. They went and they toured the land. And Bayaluba Nega Bayavoa Trevron. This is a very, very important puzzle, right? Are important. But here I want you to take note. They went up in the Negev, which is interesting, right? They went up in the south, and the, he came to Hebron, singular. Who is he? Okay, so this is a very, very important thing to pay attention to. All of the Miraglin went to the same place, but only one of them went to Hebron. Who was that one? That was Kali Ben Yifune. Now, 
right? He is called Hakmizi from the family of Kanaz, and he comes to Yoshua at Gilgal. And it's interesting that the Bnei Yehuda came with him. Why did they go with him? It says, Lazor Lekalev, to support him in his request, okay? Or possibly to give honor to Yoshua, a whole delegation, but it's really Kalev who's speaking. And he says to Yoshua, now, man to man, listen, there were 12 spies, and only Yoshua and Kalev remained loyal to Kosh You know the thing that Hashem told Moshe, the man of God, about me and about you at Kodesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moshe, the servant of God, sent me from Kaddish Barnea to spy out the land, and I returned to him the thing that was in my heart. I want to go on and we'll come back to this. Right, himisu, right in the in the in the uh, melted at Levaam, my brothers that came up with me melted the hearts of the nation. But but I followed and stayed uh, strongly, fully after Hashem, my God. And Moshe swore to me on that day, saying, If not the land that your foot, singular, stepped upon, right, that will be for you for inheritance and to your sons forever, because you followed after Hashem, my God. Okay, and um, so his speech here, his speech here is coming on the heels of the story of the Miraglim, if we saw what happened there. He was the one who went to Hebron. We'll go into why in a minute. Just let's do Yud. Basak Yud. And now you behold, God kept me alive, as he said, 45 years from then, may Azdi Moshe, 45 years since that thing happened, I'm today 85 years old. One more pasuk, Yir Aleph. Odeni hayom chazak hasher b'yom shloach oti Moshe, kikochi az, ukikochi ata, lamilchama v'latzeit v'lavau. I am still today strong, like on the day that Moshe sent me. As my power was then, so my power is now for war to go out and to come. Okay, let's go back because we're getting ahead of ourselves and we need to explain what's going on here. First of all, the timing is something we should pay attention to. He says, I was 40 years old at the time of the spies, and now I'm 85 years old. So the Mepharshim take a look at this and they say, 
it, the, the sin of the spies happened in the second year coming out of Egypt. And there were 38 more years to the 40 years that they stayed in the desert, which means that the 45 years from then to now included 38 years of the desert. And the difference is seven years. So the Chazal learned from this story that the conquest of the land took seven years because uh, the 38 years passed and then you know, um, was 78, right? And the 38, he was 78. And now he's 85. So seven years have passed since they entered the land, seven years of conquest. So the first thing we learned from Kalev is the uh, timeline. The second thing we have to pay attention to is Pasik Bav. I was 40 when Moshe, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy the land. And I returned to him the manner that was with my heart, Levavi. And so the Mepharshim will want to know, what does this mean with Bilvavi? Right? So look at Rashi, if you can follow it. Maybe it's better in this one. Oh, it's only English. Okay, let's go back. All right. Below Kasher in P. Rashi asks a question. He says, what does he mean with my heart? I told Moshe it was in my heart. Now it was in my mouth. Shehamaraglim The spies were all in it together. Bayar Kalev Lomar Lahem. would be. Bayirah Kalev Lomar Lahem Shaloyamar Kimotam. And Kalev was afraid to tell them that he was not going to agree with them. And when they did come, he denied them. Metsuda says, So take let's go back to my midbar to the actual story and I'll show you what happened. Uh, no, not that one. This one. Okay. They come back to Moshe. And they say, we came to the land, and it's a good land, and the people are really strong there, and the cities are fortified, and there's giants in the land, right? And the Chitim are one of these terrible people there. And Pasuk Lamed, Vayas Kalazama Moshe. And Moshe, and Kalev shushed everyone to Moshe. Vayomer, Alona Alevi Arashnota. We can go and we can do this. Right? Here we see where Yoshua, I'm sorry, where Kali differs from the rest of the spies. And how did it happen? Okay. So the Chazal explained it this way. Kalev saw the way things were going. And Kalev said what was, you know, uh, to the spies, he didn't reveal to them that he was not, go, not on their side, that he didn't agree with them because he was afraid. If you can imagine the pressure, the peer pressure of these other 10 men all say, oh, you don't want to go, yeah, this is too much for us, what's going on here? And Kalev is silent. Until the time comes when they start saying these things and Kalev says, no, 
it's not true we can do this thing. It's a really, really important thing to pay attention to this. Like, well, how is it different from Yoshua? I'll digress for a moment. Yoshua is in a different situation. Why? Because Moshe is concerned for Yoshua. It's his, his Talmud Muvak, his special student, right? And Moshe gives him a new name. He says, you're not going to be Yoshua, you're going to be Yoshua. But God will save you. And Moshe davens for Yoshua to save him. And Yoshua is sort of in a different place than the other 11. Because Moshe's tefillot and Moshe's concern separate him. But Colleen is with this 11. And he's uh, influenced by them. And he's very, very much in danger of giving in to his Yetzirah. And the reason that he goes to Hebron is because he has that fear. Now the Arachayim says, right, it says, um, one second. He had, but that's not in here, it's in the Chumash, because he had a different spirit. So there, the Arachayim says, the different spirit is he had the spirit of the Yetzahara and he felt himself slipping. And what did he decide to do? He went to David. He went to David in Hebron. None of the other spies would go to Hebron because there were giants there. They were scared of the giants. But Kalev said, I have to go David. So we have a, a lot to learn from Kalev. We'll just try to go through that for a moment. The Chida says that this Levavi is similar to um, There's two bits. It could be Libcha, right? It's Levavcha. With your Yetzir Tov and with your Yetzir Hara. With every Koach you have, you have to love Hashem. You have to follow Hashem. Kalev takes this negative and fearful thing, and he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And he goes, and he, he goes to Davin. And so that's one thing we should learn from this, definitely, is that when we are uh, tempted, when we have spiritual challenges, when our peers want to do something that we know is wrong, Davin. Hashem is with you. You're never alone. And that's the first thing to learn. The next thing to learn is how could it be? How could it be that he could be in his mouth agreeing with the Miraglim and his heart feeling so differently? And Moshe says he has a different ruach. And here's another lesson to think about. Two people two people can look at the same thing and draw different conclusions. Kalev saw the same giants that the other 10 saw. Kalev saw the same four to five cities that the others saw. Kalev saw everything. But his spirit was, Akash Baruch who told us, he's going to give us the land, he's going to give us the land, we're going to do this, and he thinks about it and he processes it and he says, we can do this. And all through history, right, people have looked at, two people look at the same thing and one will say, it's impossible and give up. And the other one will say, we can do this. And the history is made up of many, many people who did the impossible. 
because they saw it with those eyes. And that's something that we have to learn from. It's not just what you see, it's how you interpret what you see. It's how it speaks to you. So when you have a challenge and you have something difficult, right? Look at it, process it, say, Kaddish Baruch Hu is doing this. Everything Kaddish Baruch Hu does is good. And I'm going to make this work. Kaddish Baruch is going to help me. And it's interesting, just as a side, because we're running out of time. Just as an aside, the Miraglim say one other thing that's very, very psychological. This is for you, Debbie. Um, if you're there, the Miraglim say, we saw giants, descendants of giants, this is a very psychological pasuk coming up in Parsha Shlach. We saw all these giants, and we, in our eyes, we were like grasshoppers, and that's how we were in their eyes. And there's a huge lesson to be learned from that because the way you see yourself is the way other people are going to see you. And if you look at yourself as a grasshopper, that's how people are going to see you. Kalev is not a grasshopper. Kalev is like, alone Allah. We're going to go and we're going to do this. We can do this. And it's interesting that now he comes back. He's 85 years old. Think about 85-year-old people. And he says, right, I am as strong today as that day. I'm just as strong now as I was then. And what does that prove to you? It proves to that Kaddish who gives me the koach. I, Kaddish who gives me the koach because Hashem wants to prove all those miraglim who said we can't do it. Where are they? They died in the desert. And I'm the one who said, we can do this. And I am still alive. And God gave me strength till the age of 85. I can go out. I can go do this. I can take this land. Now, please give me this mountain that Hashem gave me on that spoke on that day. Right? Because you heard, right, that there are giants and men, fortified cities. Let me be the one to conquer that. I'm as strong as I ever was. God is giving me the strength. A very interesting phrasing. It doesn't say, it says, I am, maybe Hashem is me, right? What I do comes from Hashem. If Hashem wants me to do this, I'll do it. Whatever I accomplish is from Hashem. A very, very uh, important thought. And I'll shift, elaborate on this yourself. Kali felt he was just a vessel for God's strength. Olay Hashem Oti, I'll do this. And the reason he comes and says, I'm strong, I'm just as strong as I was in the, 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 the Mepharshim asked, why, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? Because maybe Yoshua's going to say, listen, Kalev, you're a great guy. I know you for many years. We were, went through a lot together. 
you're 85 years old. There's giants in Hebron. It's not a pretty thing. And Caliph says, no, no, I could do this. Give, give this to me. God is with me <clears throat> and God will help me. And Yeshua blesses him, blesses him that he should succeed. Right? And he gives Hebron to Kali ben Yefuna. Pasikidal, I can't tell Hebron, the Kali ben Yefuna, Knizi, the Nahala, Adayom was there. Yana Shemileh, Haria Shemalik Israel. And so, because of his great faith and his loyalty to Kaddish Baruchu, right, he gets the city of Hebron. It's Irva Avot. It's just not, not an ordinary city to be his Nahala. And we have this very interesting Malbim that says, what were his, his tightness? Number one, I saw everything and I made the conclusion that it doesn't matter because who wants us to do it, we'll do it. Number two, I didn't listen to their persuasions. Number three, Moshe promised it to me. And number four, here I am. That in itself is proof that I should get this because Moshe promised it to me and God kept me alive to this day. So it's very interesting. We have to think about Hebron for a minute because Hebron, if you go look later on when the cities are given to the Levian, Hebron is a lady city. Not only is it a lady city, Hebron is an Irmiklat. It's a city of refuge. And you know, uh, Kalev is not a lady. Kalev is from Yehuda. So then the Farshim try to explain this, that, that the ladies had the, the city proper and Kalev got the territory around it, but it's something to think about it. Pasik Tetvav, the end of this chapter, V'shem Hebron Lefanim Kiryat Arba, Ha'adam Hagadol Ba'anakim, Hu Ba'aret Shaktam Nachama. So a lot going on in Pasik Tetvav. And Hebron was formerly called Kiryat Arba. Today, Today Kiryat Arba is a town built next door to Hebron, but Hebron then was the same name as Kiryat Arba. Why is it called Kiryat Arba? Um, the three giants were called Achiman Sheshavatalmai, and their father was the fourth. Alternatively, his name was Arba, and he had three sons, the city of the giants. So really, if you think about that, that's a very, very interesting thing that Kiryat Arba named for the four giants. But the Medrash has another thought here. And the Medrash says, who are the four, right? Kiryat Arba, who are the four couples buried in Marath Machpelah? Forget the, forget the giants, the physical giants, the spiritual giants, Adam and Chava, Avram and Sarah, Yitzhak and Rivka, and Yaakov and Leah. Those are the Arba, the Medrash says. And then the who was that the, the greatest? Ha'adam Hagadol Ba'anakimhu. The greatest of the giants, and that was Abraham. Because Abraham bought Maras Machpelah. Abraham acquired Hebron. And because of that, right, we had this whole area because of the spiritual giant Abraham. And the Medrid says, right? Take a look here. In Rashi, Adam Agadol Ba'anakim Hu Avraham Avinu. 
The greatest giant was Abraham. He was a spiritual giant. Because of him, the land was quiet from war. Very beautiful measures that I really enjoyed. When Abraham goes to buy the cave, okay, so Ephraim's a little bit of a slimy character, but the people give Abraham infinite respect. They say to him, you are a prince of God. And because of that respect, the land of Hebron was quiet for 40 years. In other words, and here we see the intricacies of how Hashem runs the world. We think that we had 40 years in the desert because of the sin of the spies. But the Amori who lived in Hebron got 40 years of extra peace because they were so respectful to Abraham. So we can never understand the Cheshbonot of Shamayim, but you know, what doesn't work out for one person may work out for another person. And we have to have Emuna, after Emuna, that this is uh, how Hashem wants it. There's another thought here that the land was quiet from war is not necessarily a good thing. Like we, we love peace, you know, we love peace. But it also is an indication the Jewish people, and this is what we talk about at the beginning of Shoftim, right? Perak Aleph and Perak Bet. The Jewish people did not all finish their conquest. At this point in time, back, uh, you know, a chapter back, Hashem tells Yoshua, you're done fighting, give out the land. But now each tribe is supposed to complete the conquest, but no one has the spirit for it. So that's part of a, a problem that it's going to come back to haunt us. Chapter 15. So let's first look at the text here. Chapter 15 is just incredibly long, 63 psukim. And we're going to see how fast we can get through it. But a lot of it's just names. So the first part of it, from Aleph to Yutet, right? That is the boundaries. Not really. From Aleph to Yudbet, we'll stop, stop here. Uh, Till Yudgimel, that's the boundaries of the land of Yehuda. From Yudgimel, and Yudgimel Yud Yudalit is a story that a repeat of what we just saw in, in the previous chapter, <coughs> Kalev's conquest. And then from Tetzayin to Yudtes, a very, very interesting story about one more conquest of the Bnei Yehuda. And from Chaf on, it's just lists of cities, lists and lists of cities. So we're going to see what we can do with this. Okay, we'll go back to Meshua. So I'm just going to show you the general outline of the tribe of Yehuda on the map. And then you can, you know, I sent this map also to the chat. So anyone who's listening, um, later on, who uh, wants to try to take a look at the map, but look at, in the chat. So here you see the tribe of Yehuda. Now, Binyamin is north of Yehuda, and Yerushalayim is kind of the border between Binyamin and Yehuda. So parts of Yerushalayim belong to Yehuda, and parts belong to Yehuda. That's one of the borders. But really, this entire tremendous amount of territory in the Negev is all Yehuda. And now you see Shimon is sort of embedded within Yehuda. And that's a discussion. We'll give you the short version. What's going on with Shimon? Now, if you go back to the text, uh, here, okay, 
and you see the name, the numbers of the cities here, Pasikhab, Zod Nachat Matei B'nei Yehud Potam, and these are the cities, right? And you have this list, Kavtseel, Eider, Yagur, Kina, Dimona, Adada, Kedesh, Chatzar, Yitma, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's really, this is where a lot of people give up on Zephyr Yeshua. Don't give up, ladies, a lot of good stuff in here. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on all these names. Some of these places we know where they are, and some of them we don't know where they are, right? But here in Pasuk um, Lamed Bet, it says, Kol Arim Esrim Atesha 29 cities and their outlying villages. The only problem with what Doc says is there aren't 29, there are 38. <laughs> no, you look at it, okay, it's 29, but it's, if you're the Radak and you sit and you count, there are 38 cities. So how does this happen and why does this happen? So the Radak says the extra nine cities were cities of Shimon. But if you go ahead, to chapter 19, and chapter 19 is the divisions of Shimon, but if we go back to the map, you'll see that Shimon is right inside Yehuda. Why is this so? So let's go back to the Bracha of Yaakov, back in Parshat Vayechim. Yaakov is very angry with Shimon and Levi, <clears throat> and he says, He's very angry that they wiped out the city of Shem, he felt that they should not have done that, and that was incorrect behavior. And he, he does something very interesting. He says, I will divide them, and I will spread them out in Israel. So first of all, Yaakov feels that, that Levi and Shimon is a, is a volatile couple, and they should be separated, because together, they're, you know, a difficult duo, and they're also, um, it says, Isha Lachi with the sale of Yosef, the Chazal say that that was also Shimon Levi. Now, Levi gets spread out to do spreading of Torah and spirituality, and Levi doesn't get land. They're all over with the cities. But Shimon, now if we switch to the Brachot of Moshe, at the end of um, Zota Bracha, you'll see that Moshe only blesses 11 tribes. Shimon doesn't get a bracha. And the Chazal say, Shema Shem Kol Yudah, that, that, that the quote, Shema, that that's a hint for Shimon. And Shimon is going to be embedded within Yehuda and take part of Yehuda, which is an interesting story. Okay, getting back to our text. Um, this is Pasuk Bet. I actually have another map here. Not this one. So we'll go back to my map, my favorite map. You see, the the, the territory goes down Yamhamela, further south. You see, this is Kadesh Barnea more south than Beersheba, and all the way up to the, what's to, what became later Philistine territory, Pishti territory, up here in this area, Kiryat Yarim, right? Parts here we're getting to, uh, Don gets this little bit of this section, but most of that is Yehuda. Yehuda had a very, very large section of land. And it goes around at Smona, 
The south, from east in the Jordan, basically, to uh, from the Jordan in the east to the Mediterranean in the west, from Yerushalayim in the north to Beersheba in the south, that's basically the area of Yehuda. And then we have the story in the middle of, of Perak, um, Tetzbab, we have a very interesting goat Prasuk. This is all the borders. We're not going to go through this all. Oh, you could go through it if you like. Prasuk Yud Gimel. And here we have two Psukim, Yud Gimel and Yud Dalit that summarize what Yeshua did in chapter 14. And then he moved on to a very, very interesting story. And what's fascinating about this story is that if you go to Shoftim Parak Aleph, you get the exact same story, almost verbatim, almost verbatim. And we know that a general principle of Torah is anything that's repeated, the more we hear about it, the more important it is. So this story bears some very uh, um, uh, careful reading. And he went up from them, meaning Kalev, to the dwellers of Dvir, and Dvir was formerly called Kiryat Sefer. And Kalev said, whoever strikes Kiryat Sefer and captures it, I will give him Achsa, my daughter, for a wife. Now, this is just bizarre because this is just like a fairy tale. If you kill the dragon, you get the princess. Very not Jewish stuff. What's the deal? Right? And Asniel ben Knaz captures the city. And he is Kalev's brother, and he gives him Ahsa's daughter for his wife. Now, Asniel is the son of Knaz, Kalev is the son of Yefuna. It's different things go on. The Chazal, how do we explain these two are brothers? They say that uh, after Yefuna died, Kalev's mother remarried Knaz, and Asniel was a half brother. In any event, he's marrying his half niece. Or perhaps, but of course, he also called Kalev ben Yefuna Haknezi. So it could be that he's called, the manager says Yefuna, because he was poneh. He turned away from the Miraglin. Whichever way it is, it's Asniel who becomes, later on in Sefer Shofet, we find out that he becomes the first judge, the Shofet Harishon. And in Pasekir Chet, and when she came, I guess she came, uh, we're not sure where, uh, Matsuda says to the house of her husband, but to see Teyu And she tried to persuade him to ask her father, to, you know, Asniel asked my father for a field. But apparently Asniel doesn't want to ask her, Kali, for the field. So she slides off the donkey and says, What's your problem? But Tomer, Tinali Bracha, Ki Eretanegim Nitatani Natatali Gulot Mayim, Bayitelok, La et Gulot Iliot, Begulot Tartiot. And 
Kalev sees that she's come down and he says, what's the problem? And she says, give me a bracha, because you have given me an arid, dry land, and you, I want you to give me springs of water. And he gave her upper springs and lower springs. Okay, so this is a very interesting story. And why is it told twice? And what's going on here? So there's a few things we should look at. First of all, the fact that it's said twice is very important. Second of all, if we see, right, that Kalev is offering his daughter to this person who captures the city, there is some, there must be a spiritual aspect to this because Kalev is a great uh, tzaddik. He, it's not like, oh, you know, you're strong. And besides, Kalev himself says, I'm just as strong now as I was when I was younger. Why doesn't Kalev take Tvir? What's going on here? So there's a very beautiful medrash here. I want to show it to you in Gemara and Tzmura. Amar Yehuda, Amar Rav. Uh, at, the, at the time, I'm translating loosely, when Moshe passed away, right, and he went to Gan Eden, he said to Yoshua, there's a misprint here that's very egregious, I'll, I'll um, show it to you. He said, he said to Yoshua, ask me any doubts you have, I'm about to pass on, right? And Yoshua said, Rebbe, did I ever leave you? Did I ever go away from you to another place? Isn't it me that you said, Yoshua, his servant, never left the tent? That should supposed to be Moshe. Moshe had a, a terrible weakness come over him. What's that? What's going on there? In other words, Yoshua, Moshe says, I'm about to leave you. What more can I teach you? And Yoshua says, It's good. I'm good. I've been there. I saw it all. I heard it all. I'm good. Enough. I, I, you know, nothing more that you have to give me. So this was terribly demeaning for Moshe, Tashash Koko, it was like, oh, you know, like, oh, I'm useless. I have nothing more to give. And, and so Moshe was upset, okay? So Yoshua was punished for this behavior. And he, he lost 300 halachas and he had 700 doubts. But And the Jewish people got very angry at him. What are you doing? Because of, you know, because you behaved improperly and you lost Torah. Right? Hashem says, I'm not giving it back to you. Go out to war. You lost it. And then when it says in the beginning of Sefer Yeshua, go out to war. Okay, go on a little bit. So what was like this, this left? So what do you do? Okay. What's going on? Okay, we're really out of time, so I'll give you a short version here. Very, very beautiful medrash that explains like this. Kalib is not think about it. What is Kiryat Sefer? The book. Whoever captures the book will be worthy to have my daughter Achsa. In other words, 
this is not a physical story. And the fact that it's told twice is an indication that it's a very profound story. First of all, lesson number one, never say you know everything. Never say I got this. We always have more to learn. And certainly if our teachers are telling us more, we have more to learn from them. And Yoshua is punished for, for this. And Caliph says, we have lost some Torah here and we can't get it back. But Asniel ben, ben Kenaz was a tremendous Tamachacham. This, every Shofit had different characteristics. The characteristic of Asni ben Kenaz is that he learned Torah all day. So let's take a look at the story with different eyes. And Kalev says, the one who will conquer the lost book and bring us back those lost halachas, I will give him my daughter Asa for a wife. He will be worthy to have this great tzaddikis. And Asnia was able to bring back the Torah, his younger brother, and he gave him Asa, his daughter, for a wife. But when she came to it, she said, I need a field. And she leaned off her donkey. She slid off her donkey. Now, chamor, chamor in spiritual thought is material, chomer. So she's saying, you know, I'm very happy to be a kolo wife and to have this huge tamachacham for my husband. But we do have to eat. We do need to eat. So Kalev says, what is she's, I Give me a bracha. I'm going to have to make a parnasa here because I want him to learn Torah because that's what he does, right? Eretz this is a dry situation. I need springs of water. We need to get Torah. We need to support Torah. And he gave her um, higher springs and lower springs. If we look at this story, right, in a very, very uh, ordinary sense, you say, listen, and this story also happens in Judges, in, in Sefer Shoftim, Perak Aleph. So we're saying over there how people don't want to conquer, right? So perhaps if we're taking this very literally, then Kalev has to offer an incentive to conquer this arid land. The Das Mikra actually says near the biblical Devere, not far away, there's springs crossing the highway, which is a very, very beautiful thing. But spiritually, this is a very deep story saying, right? Capturing Torah is also a great endeavor. And those special individuals who do that, right, they need support. They need support. And the bracha that she asked for, right, um, uh, that she wants springs of water, and the answer the mentor says, that Kalev says to her, your husband is a source of upper waters in the heavens and also a lower sources. He also will give sustenance. It's a very, very uh, interpretation. So it's a very important thing to remember, right? Never think that you learned everything and think about conquering Torah. Another thing, the Medrash says, why was she called Achsa? This harks back to what we said about the, the you know, everyone's territory. Because the, the Medrash says that the other, uh, she was so beautiful that other, it's from Kaas. She was so beautiful and so, and so, uh, so much at Sadekis that other men would say, oh, look, you know, why isn't my wife up to that standard? 
that's another lesson to remember. Don't look at other people. Don't look at other people. You know, do do what you can with what you have, and don't 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 go there. Okay. Now the listing of the cities, right? Um, so we said that nine of them are probably for Shimon, and they're mentioned in chapter nineteen. And then there's another two things I'll just show you very briefly. Kina Pasikhafet, Kina Dimona Adada, right? The Chazal say, the one who is has kina, has jealousy, and Dimona, he's silent about it, Adada, the eternal one will vouch for him. And the 31, Siklagumadmana Visansana, another moral lesson learned from these towns, a person who is um, has a tzaka. Uh, screams about a log that he was taken, his parnasa was taken, umadman, and he's silent about it, sansana, that means Hashem will, um, uh, the one who was at the sneh, the one who was in the sneh will vouch for him. So the Chazal take out of here moral lessons. And then it ends with verse 63, just very briefly, the Yevusi who dwelt in Shalayim, they could not, the Bnei Yehuda could not get rid of them, and they say they dwelt with the Bnei Yehuda in Shalayim until today. So this is a whole discussion, which we don't have time for, but basically, Yerushalayim, even though, even though a few chapters back we saw that Yoshua killed the king of Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim remains an unconquered city until the time of David Amela. And Yavus, Right, the mentor says, Why lo yufli? They could have conquered it, but because Abraham had made a pact with Abimelech back in Parshas Vayera, right, that there were still descendants of Abimelech alive, and Abraham's pact held, and he could not get rid of them. Okay, so um, next time we'll start with chapter 16, and I hope that I didn't go too fast for you, but I do want to, don't want to spend that much time on the list of cities.